All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that is now just phoning it in, literally seven seasons in. Uh, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. So, yeah, Why? Brett, Brett the, the new technology is the old technology. And when, when Frank says phoning it in, don't think we're using some fancy app. We're actually using rotary dials right now. <laughs> and we've got a tape recorder on each of ours we're going to splice together later. It's going to be great. Literally, the government is just wiretapping a phone call and then sending it out for everyone to listen to. Literally, there yeah. are Supreme Court decisions about how the, no one should be allowed to do this. <laughs> and we are willfully doing it. Uh, so you'll listen to us talk about a football team. Um, we, literally, we literally did the uh, agenda planning for this. We, we sent each other letters in the mail yep. with draft agendas. And then right. the government steamed those open. And sent them on their way to ensure there was yes. nothing. Uh, you know, I believe that's called. What's that called? It's called like per. per it's something. It's got a specific term for like steaming people's mails open. Yeah, yes. I can't think of it either. And it, the good thing is, we we prepared well. So all of our letters said, "This is what we think if the Bills draft Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield. This is what happens if the Bills." trade up for a punter i mean we wrote about 45 letters each just to make sure we would have yeah. all our bases covered yeah and i'll steal frank's transition from later and say speaking of people who write letters and not tweet things <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. um yes uh we're gonna start look it's it's a, it's not a lot of news stories today but they're all big news stories yep. um, quality over quantity baby Definitely. Uh, the Bills, look, the draft happened, and we're going to start with, with the marquee uh, draft signing. Um, the Buffalo Bills went out of their way to draft a quarterback. Uh, they, In a way, it was playing out so perfectly. The Browns took one, the Giants took a running back, then the Jets took a quarterback, and then suddenly, like, Indianapolis and Denver – were like not chasing quarterbacks and not trading people because Bradley Chubb was available and Cleveland took another guy and the bills didn't have to like trade up into the top five. They traded to number seven. And then they said the first name, Josh. And then from there, it kind of fell apart. Um, the, <laughs> the bills take Josh Allen uh, seventh overall in a trade up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They, uh, you know, it's uh, then they, they actually trade up again later in the first round to take Tremaine Edwards, uh, in a in a trade with the with the Baltimore Ravens, um, so they get two first rounders at the expense of their second rounders, and um, the uh, I don't want to say the troubling thing. I don't want to paint the conversation too much. We're going to go to Paul first on this since mm -hmm. Scott tends to have the more informed college prospect position. Um, so we're going to let Paul. Just we're going to let Paul fumble through. That's all right. You always you always lead with the ignorant one. That's right. that's and, how, and, that's and, how and we that's go. Fix it for everyone. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Bills take Josh Allen, the 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 prospect, the the the, uh, the quarterback prospect from Wyoming. Um, let's let's get your impressions of him as a football player and the draft first. Then we and I'll mention that Bovada thinks that he might start as many as ten games. You can comment. Yeah, on ten and that. a half. I think was the over under yeah. I saw. It is, and then let's leave his tweeting for last before we go then into the rest of the draft, and we'll make that a second segment. All um, right, so just Josh the player then is what yeah, we will Josh focus on that, right. that draft. So, so this was – I almost thought of, of texting you guys and being like, we should do a thing where one of us is extreme positive, the other is extreme negative, and the other is voice of reason because you can go with all of those views 
for this pick. Now, obviously, if you listened to our last podcast and followed me on Twitter that day, I think it's pretty clear that I was not a huge fan of the, uh, the, the, the pick generally. I thought they could have gone in other directions with this quarterback. Again, we'll get in with the quarterback. But looking at the extreme positive view, they did get they did trade up and they did get one of the big four quarterbacks in this draft. We thought there might be a Mason Rudolph settling going on, uh, which did not happen. So they they were bold and they made that move. The other thing that was a, a positive about this move, it's not like the Bills are the only team that had Allen at or near the top of their list of quarterbacks they felt could be great in the the NFL. There's also a lot of the narrative right now that, that Brandon Bean put out there himself is his college numbers weren't exceptional because he was surrounded by absolute cruddiness at Wyoming and that that really held him back. And if you looked at his performance in the senior bowl, that gives you more of an idea. And he has all these great raw physical tools. The negative side of me and the one that overwhelms me a little <laughs> bit more is, you know, you look at a guy who hasn't had a ton of success in college. I feel like a lot of guys, even if they don't have a great cast around them, can really help to overcome that. He still has issues with his decision-making on the field and off the field, which, of course, we'll get to later, though that hasn't been in in recent years. So I don't want to go, you know, I don't want to paint that too bad a picture of him now based on that. And you also look at the fact that they had Josh Rosen available, who's much closer to being a finished product, who is a guy who would be probably much, uh, as far as the media goes, be much more, you know, he's a more intelligent guy. I'd hesitate to say that, but I think all signs in KDR, he's a more informed guy. He's probably, by all indications, he's an excellent leader of men, and that is what you are looking at on the football field. And you look at a guy like Josh Allen, and as you brought up, Frank, I believe it was Frank brought it up last time we, we talked, like if he, and this was based on, you know, what you had read, if he succeeds as an NFL quarterback will basically defy all logic by which you use college analytics to assess someone to be successful in the NFL. Like he just doesn't have any of that. So that's extreme negative. So uh, my last part of me, the voice of reason to do my little uh, Sybil analysis of this pick. I think it's, it's a move that needed to be made. I still think I would have gone with Josh Rosen it could very well be 10 years down the road. People are like, can you believe people talked about this draft class and all four of those guys busted out and Mason Rudolph is the one who's a seven time pro bowler and two time Super Bowl champion at this point, you know, that very well could happen. So I, it's tough to really make a good analysis. I was disappointed by the pick for sure, but do I think it's assuredly going to be doom and gloom? No, I, I think there's a chance it works out and I'm glad they were bold and made the, made the, made the choice to get a quarterback high in the first round. Okay. Scott. Doth. Oh, well, we're going to get, that was perfect timing for Scott. He literally drops off. He's second. That we, we this is such a, this is such big news. Scott, are you back on? I am back. on. That's amazing. You dropped off for a second and came back on. And now we know that anchor can do that. So that's so <laughs> <great>. <laughs> Um, your thoughts on Josh Allen? Good. Um, yes, I'm tired of listening to Paul. Um, I yeah. literally had just finished and you hung up. I thought you were just really pissed at my analysis. <laughs> I thought you were like, that was the worst piece of crap. I can't even respond to this. Screw you both. I'm going home. Yes. No, the, uh, it's funny when you're talking about the, 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 uh, the three versions. I just, for, for some reason, remembered that Wayne World, Wayne's World, the movie. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. When they did the uh, no, let's do Scooby Doo ending. Let's do super happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly. When everyone, you know, gets laid, yeah, and gets the record contract. Anyway, <laughs> so I don't think Josh Allen's going to end with a record contract, but we'll find out. Um, I so yeah, so I definitely am um, against this pick. I I honestly probably would debate about whether or not I wanted Mason Rudolph ahead of this guy. This guy definitely has more potential. Um, I think that there's not. I am very concerned about our ability to take to have Brian Dable come in and like teach him how to be the quarterback. Like if we had, you know, longtime quarterback risk for, you know, whoever um, in charge of, of bringing him along, I'd feel better, but I'm not really convinced that's that we've got a good um, system for come for him to come into, frankly, like he is somewhat athletic, but he is not, he is not, you know, Lamar Jackson, obviously. Um you know, obviously our wide receiver talent is, is okay. It's certainly not anything great. It did not get a lot better this draft. Um, mm-hmm. The, you know, we've got a decent run game to, to kind of help him out a little bit, but the line didn't really get that much better. In fact, the line has probably as a whole gotten worse from where it was last year. So, um, you know, it, it's not an easy thing to throw someone into. Um, so I'm all in favor of him trying to wait as long as we can before we, we throw him in there, but I just don't, I don't see how that's going to survive. Like AJ McCarron probably has many of the same flaws that Josh Allen. Well, he doesn't have the same flaws. He has a different set of flaws, which is that mm-hmm. he's not that deep um, or he's, he's probably has a, a lower ceiling. And so there's going to be calls. It's going to be calls for Allen to start game one. And those are only going to get louder as the season goes on. And we have a very tough opening part of the season, which we will get to when we do wacky schedule later in the year. Um, but it's going to be, um, so I have a lot of concerns about this pick in general for the Bills. I have a lot of concerns about Josh Allen um, as a developmental kind of um, prospect. I think I have concerns about how he was chosen. I don't want to put too much credence in like, um, you know, in Adam Schefter, because God knows he's been wrong in the past and he is not the diviner of truth. And there's obviously reasons people tell him things, but right. he, very much before I was watching the ESPN draft coverage, and he came on a minute or two before the pick and was like, yeah, Terry Pagula pretty much fell in love with Josh Allen and his ability yeah. to throw the ball, which is, you know, again, uh, if you inserted the name Jerry Jones or Dan Snyder, yeah. people would have lost their. And it's just because, and I, and again, this does not mean that he is not a good person. Um, maybe he isn't, who knows? Um, maybe, and it does not mean he didn't save the bills and this, you know, him keeping them in Buffalo forever, you know, washes away any problems you have with him as Terry Pagula talent evaluator, but that is again, not his job. And I think it's very frustrating that someone in his position would not know that, you know, the way he kind of described his role in some of the interviews, you know, with Terry, you know, is, I forget who, who he's doing it with, with talking about his and his wife role in the process and saying, you know, uh, you know, it's their call, but you know, we want to be involved, you know, we're, we're not breaking down film like everyone else, but you know, it's kind of our, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's my investment to a certain extent. So I also want to check things out, but at the same time, he would have to know if you're McDermott and Bean and Terry's like, uh, yeah, guys, I think I like Josh Allen. What do you think? Do you think they're really going to like the guy who's been there for like, a year is going to be like, no, I don't think you're right, boss. I don't really like, that's not how it's very difficult to get a good dynamic like that, where people really feel free to questionnaire the billionaire owner who's 
owns everyone's jobs. So I am, I am very concerned that that was a major factor in how this played out. And if that's the case, I'm, I'm concerned. Now, again, could be a lot of smoke here, but it just, you know, I'm not a big advanced stats guy in general, um, but I'm also not going to say that completion percentage is an advanced stat. Right. And it just wasn't there in college. And I don't think you can make it suddenly appear in the pros, even if you have a great set of players and coaches around someone and I'm not sure that he's going to have any of those things with Buffalo. So, yeah, yeah I'm a little pessimistic. Okay, okay good. Um, well, not good, but <laughs> sure. Um, you know, I, I think that – Remember, mis- misery equals rating, so it is good. It sure does. I, I think that I, I, I don't quite agree with Scott's position on the idea that um, Adam Schefter, uh, his tweets – so what am I? No, when he came on to ESPN before, and they talked about Terry Pagula like loving his arm. To me, that that to me smelled more like national guys just feeling the need to try and fill some dead air. And I didn't really read what Scott and others have read into it. To be fair to Scott, like he, Scott's not the only person reading into that statement. I honestly view it as a throwaway line. My belief is that you know they've given control of this team to uh, McDermott and by extension Bean. And that that was sort of a position where they let him get they let them get rid of a bunch of stars and they didn't really hold anybody um, over that didn't make sense. And so to me, it just seemed more like Terry Pagula wants to like the quarterback that they're going to draft. I think that that's fair if you're the owner that you get to like not pick him, but you get to at least be like, I would be okay with these guys. I I could see these guys being the phrase of my franchise that I have to sell in Western New York. I don't think he's down there saying, um, you know, you better pick this guy. And and I don't know, like Brandon Bean and Scott and and, and McDermott, they seem like guys who might be able to go to the boss and say, yeah, that guy's not going to work out, but it's, that's conjecture either way at this point. So, you know, we could we could we could hem and haw over that forever as to whether the Pagulas are getting un, unnecessarily involved there or not. We'll get back into whether how involved the Pagulas are later in the show when we talk about Russ Brandon, I'm sure. Um, but to speak to Josh Allen, I obviously was not excited about him. If you listened to the show last week, uh, it's hard for me to say I'm excited about him now, but I've gotten to a place where I've accepted it uh, and I've gotten to a place where I, I'm trying to now rationalize it going into the year so it doesn't it isn't you know pessimistic from the beginning i mean there were people who thought josh allen was the best quarterback prospect available there there you know phil sims and 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 mel kuyper they had allen at the top for most if not all of the year there were other guys that you know this is the kind you know that even though like this is such an old school way of picking quarterbacks well they did manage to pick some good quarterbacks every now and then back in the day. So, you know, Mordor all is not lost here. You know, like we, it's, you know, the, the fellowship may hang by a thread, but, um, and they may have definitely have not picked the guy that I wanted. Um, but I, I guess I'm happy that they picked somebody instead of nobody. And I can at least, I, you know, I can start to squint and look into the side and say, you oh, know, maybe, maybe, maybe this will work out. Um, and, you know, if you'd pick Josh Allen or they'd pick Josh, or no, I'm sorry, if they'd pick Josh Rosen, um, I might have been more excited about it. But it really, if I'm being honest, I would have no more knowledge of whether it was going to work or not. Um, advanced stats, especially in football, um, are 
suspect a little bit to me. I've said this in seasons past because the sample sizes are so small and the variables are so many. It's not like baseball. So uh, it's hard for me to necessarily know how much to trust those advanced stats that, that pick these other guys. That said, like it seemed pretty clear that he's not the most pro ready. Um, perhaps they believe they have more in AJ McCarron. Uh, you know, maybe they think AJ McCarron's closer to Tyrod Taylor than uh, Josh Allen and they can, you know, win some games with him. And I guess the last thing I'll say on, on at least regards to optimism is, you know, this time last year, or certainly a couple of months from now last year, uh, they had definitely um, sold the farm on a bunch of players and had gotten rid of a bunch of talent. And it was looking like a three win football team. And lo and behold, they, they, they knew what they were doing to some extent, even if they also got a little bit lucky. So, you know, hashtag trust the process. Um, the thing that bothers me with the process, and it certainly has, was more bothersome for me at the beginning than it is today, was the tweets um, from Josh Allen. If you don't know Josh Allen, uh, through his social media account, um, back when he was 15, 16, and in high school, uh, tweeted a, some stuff that included uh, racial epitaphs, the big one. In the, and I know we have UK listeners, but it is, in fact, the big one in the U.S., and I'm sure you can guess which one we're talking about. Um, it's the, the one in regards to black and African-American people. And that came out the morning of the draft and or maybe the night before the draft. And the Bills, to I guess, I don't want to say to their credit, but the, the way the story has come out since is that the Bills, you know, got back on the phones. They talked uh, with their... Um, my initial complaint was, first of all, how could you not know about this? Because, yeah. you know, tweets are public and you've checked every other dimension of these guys. And how could you not read his entire Twitter feed or have somebody do that? Um, or at least search his Twitter feed for keywords to see if there was anything embarrassing yeah. in there. Um, and then second of all, they went ahead and drafted him. And, you know, there was no sense of whether they had really considered these tweets at all, especially in regards to the locker room uh, and the players in there, many of which uh, would not be, you know, I think we can all be offended by that word. I don't think you necessarily have to be of that, of that racial denomination, but certainly people who would be most offended and most aggrieved by that word um, are, are plentiful in the NFL. People would fit that description. Um, There are plenty of black people in the NFL is what I'm saying. And (laughs) certainly on the bills, and so to bring a guy in who's very publicly, you know, use these words in, a, in an inappropriate manner um, w- is suspect. Uh, now, I guess to to since I, I made you guys go first, I'll go first this time and say that a lot of my consternation about this has been assuaged, not so much by Alan's direct comments, which he did certainly own up to them and apologize for them. Um, but listening to guys like Eddie Yarborough, who played with him, and I think it was Lorenzo Alexander, and to find out that the, the front office allegedly uh, discussed it with the leadership council on the team um, and to hear that these guys sort of are willing to say he was a 15, 16-year-old. He's explained that these were song lyrics. He's explained that sometimes they would grab each other's phones in high school and tweet things out under each other's accounts that, to his mind, um, that they were satisfied that this did not represent him as a person. Um, and frankly, if people to be interacting with him on a daily basis, much more cause to be offended and concerned by it than I do are willing to sort of roll with it. Um, then I guess I am too. 
uh, certainly not to the point where I'm, I'm going to like make a stink about it, but you know, it certainly was not, it was pretty upsetting uh, and not cool. And especially when he already carried all the football statistical baggage um, and then to, you know, you know, contrast him with some of the other quarterbacks who were, you know, pro ready or, or a guy like Baker Mayfield, who was, you know, quote unquote, like a, a trouble off the field. And, you know, it just felt a little hip, hip, a little bit like hypocrisy that guy who grabs his nuts on the field is like, you know, a, a warning flag, but not necessarily this. So let, let me open that up to, we'll go back to Paul first and then Scott, and then we'll, then we'll, we'll switch topics after Scott's done talking. Okay. So yeah, I would, I would say, first of all, if you're grabbing your nuts off the field, that's a Russ Brandon problem. Oh no, sorry. Okay. That's, that's, that's for later segment. Um, my bad. Um, so yeah, I would, I would, you know, I'm okay. This is, boy, this is tough. You know, this is a tough one to analyze because you don't want to come off, you know, too inflexible and too, uh, but also you don't want to come off as, you know, being like, oh yeah, what he said was okay. Now, yes, they were song lyrics. Yes, there were, you know, he was quoting Modern Family at one point. So these are not huge sorts of, um, you know, these these aren't the types of things where it's like he was saying things that I would consider to be hateful. He was he was simply saying things that, you know, he thought were funny. But there's also a degree of ignorance there, which is concerning. And, uh, you know, if you're you're tweeting those things in, in ignorance, again, it goes back to what I was saying about some of his judgment ability. Now, I don't know what his upbringing was like, so I'm not one to judge it. I don't know how much exposure he has to society in Wyoming to know exactly you know what's right and what's what's wrong what you should say and what you shouldn't i don't even know if he went to school in wyoming before he went to he college. grew up in california he, he grew up in rural grew california up in northern california yeah. in a, All right. so that excuse yeah. is out the window the middle of nowhere excuse is out the window so no it's still the middle of nowhere oh, yeah he worked on a farm in california when he was a kid and so i mean there is a there is an there is a he probably didn't grow up around people who would have he didn't grow up in an environment where that would have been corrected sooner. Right. Maybe. So, so Maybe. I, I will say this to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yes. You know, that, that happened at a different point in his life. There was youth, there was ignorance. What concerns me though, is he had better get past that really, really fast so that he can have the respect in the huddle of LaShawn McCoy. He can have the respect in the huddle of Kelvin Benjamin. So a leader like Lorenzo Alexander on the other side of the ball is willing to work. And Lorenzo Alexander came around and said, he's got to, you know, answer for what he yes. said. He's got to sell us on this to show us that this was what he, you know, he, he says it is. So he gets some benefit of the doubt in that regard. He was definitely wholehearted in his apology on that end, but it's easy to talk a big game and say, you know, this is all this was. Now you have to prove that through your words on the feet, you know, your words off the field and your actions on the field interactions around your your teammates who are not white <laughs> you know and and that's what's going to be interesting to see so he's gotta he's gotta walk the walk on this yeah i, I mean I, I don't i don't think there's a, a ton that i have to add i mean i think i will i will only add on the i will i will not go into details but there were things that i have done before i was 22 before i was probably 25 that I, that would not look good if you like took them, even if you took them in context, frankly, 
um, because I was a 22 year old or an 18 year old or a 19 year old. And I'm sure if I had the opportunity to have Twitter when I was 15 or 16, I would have some terrible things that I would have said at 15 or 16 that, that would not have been racist, but certainly would not make me look like a nice guy. Um, just because, you know, I've got anger or whatever or, you know, personal issues. And I'm sure a lot of other people do, too. And now is kind of the time in his life, going to college, meeting new people, going to your first job as it was, mm -hmm. meeting new people, moving. All of those things are how you turn into a normal human being. Right. Um, and I would say that pretty much as, um, as a member of the male gender who went through the ages of like 15 to 25, like the amount of like hormones that get dumped into your system is it's difficult to realize how much they affect you i think until you're later in life yeah and even then i don't think you ever really realize it and i'm not going to like blame this on hormones or you know there's another russ brandon totally, joke in I mean, there but i'll uh, <laughs> go on <laughs> but but i will just say you know i i will i will give you know people in high school a chance to make mistakes i will give people in college uh, or in those first year or two after college, you know, a, a chance to make mistakes and learn from them and move on. And then if he doesn't, then he has no rope. He has no, he has no, he has, this was his game. Right. This was his mullet. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's really interesting. And, and somebody had brought and then I'll, I'll just put a bow on this and then we'll move forward. Um, that, uh, well, first of all, I think you're right. I think definitely, you know, the, the indiscretions of being young and, and then again, you know, frankly, I mean, we're three white guys. I, I just, you know, I don't want to, you know, bang it too hard, but I think it's, there's something about like, you know, we probably get a little bit more rope with our craziness in those years, as opposed to other people that we're not fully aware of. And so everything's kind of a joke and nobody, you know, slaps your wrist straight away. And so it, it might take longer to sort of be sensitive to certain things. And certainly I am not uh, some sort of, you know, pristine uh, look, Paul's the only one of us who never did anything that he regrets. Yep, totally, <laughs> totally sin-free. No, right. nothing to report. Right. Um, but the, the, the bow that I was going to put on it was that this sort of, somebody had put down that this, this becomes a, an important question for the millennial generation younger than us is what is going to be the cutoff line uh, for I was young and stupid because so much young and stupid is now out in the public. And you know, our young and stupid moments are just clouded and only our closest friends remember them. And, and if at all, and no one's ever going to bring them up unless they have to, but now, and there'll be know, no proof of a lot of it either, you know, but those emails were on old servers long since, you know, thrown in the ocean with, you know, copies of ET for the Atari 2600. Right. And windows ME, but the, the, um, but you know, like, the, like growing up now, like you don't get that, space you don't get that space to make mistakes uh and sort of uh you know figure things out on your own you have to things happen much quicker and things have to be a lot more polished and you know so it's going to be an interesting question going forward from here and it was an interesting question but uh, talk about the rest of the draft because the buffalo bills did not just take one quarterback Oh, they, they took other players? Oh, man, hold on. I got to do some research. Yeah, let me just – you know what? I'm going to make sure I, as I say this, uh, 2018 Bills draft class to make sure I 
get them all. Um, oh, why didn't you come? Well, look, they took Tremaine well, Edwards in the first round. We know that yeah. name. I think Scott should start this segment just because yes. he's the one who brought up Tremaine Edmonds' name. Uh, on yeah, you nailed it. So good for you. Oh no! Like, well, okay. Like, let's be okay. Let's be clear. I did not. Uh, you I said did, you I, thought you, you said you thought he'd be off the board by twenty two, yeah, which you were right. Yeah, and 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 he was off the board by by twenty two. Obviously, um, the uh, yeah. I mean, I think it was a little surprising that he slipped. Obviously, some of that's just kind of the way the draft kind of landed with certain teams kind of, you know, being surprised, like, you know, guys like Chubb kind of dropping a little bit. Um, Derwin James and the guy who kind of dropped out of the top 10. A lot of people had him going there. Um, I, I will admit that I did not watch a lot of Virginia Tech ball um, last season, so I can't really speak to having him watch on film specifically. Um, so that said, like, I, you know, obviously athletically, clearly he, he hits all the things. You know, him and Allen are clearly – drawn from that old school scouting like we just want the best athletes we'll teach them to play linebacker or quarterback or whatever we will and you know i'm sure that again and mcdermott is high personality strong character guy um somehow alan got through that screening but uh <laughs> but uh but edwards or edmonds is um clearly the uh you know a high character guy as well which is great and um I think he's going to play. Obviously, we need to kind of slot him in there at middle now. And then if he wants to take over Alexander's spot, you know, next year after Alexander has to retire because he's 80, then that's great. I think he's definitely got a role on this team going forward. The only question I have is whether or not it was worth, um, you know, Edmonds and a third-round draft pick or uh, – or, excuse me, um, yeah, Edmonds was worth a third-round draft pick and Rashawn Evans. Like – Right. That guy was also on the board there. Um, obviously, I've seen more of Evans play watching Alabama and obviously multiple national championship games um, and, you know, big, big games here and there. Um, a guy who I didn't have any problem with us taking in the first round. And given the amount of holes that we have on this team, I'm not sure, especially with, uh, you know, speaking just briefly on Allen, giving up the two first, giving up the two seconds. Um, I, again, like I've been on record saying that. I think we could have given up a first next year. You know, we can't, we're not going to be able to redo the quarterback pick next year. Right. And so I'm, I'm perfectly okay with getting another second out of that, you know, getting one of our seconds back this year to give Allen somebody who can block for him or somebody who can catch the ball. And then, uh, and then if we do that and we get our, we have a third round pick, then maybe that one is somebody that we can use to build some depth on defensive, uh, on defensive end uh, or, some of the other, again, many spots that we kind of need depth on. So I don't have a problem with Edmonds. I am a little concerned about the price we paid. Um, I think it was a bit of a luxury pick to try and go up and grab someone just because they we saw that they were falling, and that's why we needed to get in. That's, that strikes me as uh, a luxury this team doesn't have. Yeah, I, okay. I both agree. I, I was going to say I both agree and disagree with Scott. So on the agreement front – yeah, you, when you have as many holes as the Bills did, and we were texting about this that night, you are giving away some some valuable valuable picks there. The guys you can get those, you know, that Robert Woods type in the second round at a wide receiver position, or the Andy Levitre type at the the guard position, and other needs you have. Guys who you know played for the Bills organization for years, were did a perfectly good job in their roles and really helped the offense in their respective ways, and instead they essentially forfeited those those 
more valuable picks in order to move up to take Edmonds. And that is, and it, and it, and again, not a, a finished product by any means, a guy who literally turned 20 years old today, the day we're recording this podcast and his, his, his odds of coming in and being an immediate impact player, even if he is an immediate starter are still going to be fairly low. And so giving away the picks to do that are, you know, it's questionable. Now where I would disagree with Scott is you can look at my one concern with the first round pick next year, which Scott had mentioned last week as well. And we, we podcasted is this team is also perilously close to being potentially terrible if things go wrong, if they suffer injuries in the secondary, their strongest part of the, the defensive unit, if the, some of the players don't gel as much as they expect, if the offense doesn't move forward under the leadership of A.J. McCarron with no receivers at his disposal and a crappy line. Like they, I'm not saying I think all this will happen, but when you have you know, $45 million in dead cap space, you are not going to have a lot of depth. <laughs> That is simply how it is. Mm. So if things go perilously wrong and they end up four and 12 and they forfeit a top five pick, you know, from, from 2019, that, that could look bad. So I understand the logic in not trading that pick. And I also, the other way I'm trying to look at is if you, you look at the first three rounds of the draft and you say, okay, the bills in these first three rounds are going to get their hopeful future franchise quarterback, a stud linebacker many thought was going to be gone long before they picked him, and a pretty good defensive tackle who was rated 46. I think it was Mike Maycox, uh, Mayox, Maycox. I can't think of his name. Mike's draft board. You know, that's a pretty good haul for three rounds. So I agree. I don't know if I would have given up as much as the Bills did, but if, if Edmonds is a stud, we're not going to care in a few years. Yeah, um, I think that's – look, that's the – that's the name of the game of the draft period, right? If the guys yeah, produce, <laughs> if the guys produce, then no one's going to worry about it. You know, you didn't pay for too much for Josh Allen, if which we didn't talk about actually whether whether we felt like it was overpaying or not. Certainly by both the 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 draft valuation charts, it was, but by the standard of the market is the market, and people are going to you know, there's only one person who had the seventh pick, and yep. if you wanted to jump to the seventh spot, that's what it was going to cost. And, and the Jets the still over the Jets still overpaid more, and the Bills would have had to pay even more than that to move up to two right. or four any of the other spots that they were thinking of. So right, and if and if it's if, what if, the market will bear, and if Allen pans out, then great. Nobody's worried about it. Nobody's worrying about it. Uh, you know, years from now, whether it was a a a you know a hefty price or not. Um, as opposed to Sammy Watkins, where you know that sort of magnifies yeah, it. That's the yeah. Thing. It, it will it will haunt you if you do pay too much sometimes. Right. The GM specifically. So um, the other thing, I mean, the, the good thing was in, in interviews I've listened with Bean. Uh, I mean, and of course it could be a little bit of smoke, but he was saying basically that he didn't feel like the wide receiver class was all that great, at, other than a few names at the top. And mm-hmm. so, to his mind, when when names were passing. Uh, he didn't feel like he was really missing out on a lot of stuff in the second round. Um, so on some level, they must have done the math where they what they felt about Edmonds and Allen in comparison to the guys they could get in the second round. I, apparently there was somebody in the second round that was falling that if it had gotten to the top of the third round, they might have drafted, uh, they might have made yet another trade to move up, but that didn't come to fruition. Um, and and, they, maybe, and they, maybe it'll be right. Remember that what was that the draft cuts where they got James Harding. There was also like Lima Swede 
And right. there was Devin Thomas and all these other guys. Like, these are good second-round type picks, and none of them had – I think Deshaun Jackson was in there, and he was the one guy of, like, six right. that was actually a capable wide receiver who emerged from that draft. Right. And and they seemed very – he seemed very concerned or very focused on they wanted to leave next year's draft alone and next year's first-round picks alone. So they must have some sort of insight on, you know, maybe they have a feeling like it's not going to go very well and they, they are going to – bet against repeating the success that they had this year. And they think that, you know, it's important to keep that higher level pick, or maybe they have identified people that they feel like will be excellent players next year that they can use or because they'll be much able. They will have improved their ability to evaluate players significantly in the next year. And <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Right. Like, look, they could hit on both of these picks and still be bad because there's so many, Right. Like if Josh Allen isn't good next year, that doesn't mean he's not good. It might be he's developing and would need line play and a wide receiver. And so, you know, you weren't going to fix it all this year anyway. So, I mean, there's room for, you know, both of these, you know, room for it to to develop over more than one year. Um, But, you know, point taken, like, you know, whatever, however they evaluated talent this year is is probably reflective of what they're going to evaluate for next year um the bills also took harrison phillips which uh i believe buffalo rumbling rumbling said was the most trust the process pick you could take in the entire draft and they said that before they took him like there there was some quote from the combine from one of their guys who was like if there's a guy who personifies the process it's harrison phillips um from stanford they you know getting comparisons already to the next kyle williams um then we also took Teron Johnson, not a traffic cone, like, like Scott yeah. suggested on Facebook. Um, Teron Johnson, cornerback, Saron Neal, cornerback. Uh, so I'm, you know, maybe they're hoping that's the cornerback depth there that they need. Um, Wyatt Teller uh, in the fifth round from Virginia Tech, a guard. And then two wide receivers in the sixth and seventh round, Ray Ray McLeod, uh, my vote for the best name in the draft, uh, certainly in the Bills draft, mm-hmm. and Austin Prohl. Uh, wide receiver, North Carolina. I mean, I'm the, happy the to son have of son of uh, oh Ricky yeah, Pearl, uh, Ricky Pearl, yeah. Ricky Pearl's wow. son. Yeah. Well, then we can number. We can have some sort of ridiculous genetics, man. you know. Great show on turf, Rams offense. The yep. fourth wide receiver. I remember I him. Uh, yeah, with Bob Murray, he was the fourth wide receiver for the Rams in his early career. He was the number one wide receiver for the Cardinals, which is kind of, again, being like the, the Miss Alabama. It's like, all right, congratulations. You know, I, I don't mean to degrade Alabama. Anyway. I think Alabama wins a lot of those. I think, I think they do, actually. Yeah, that was a, that was a poor, good poor chance. It's like winning Miss, uh, Miss Kazakhstan. Well, no, you got to go with um, you got to go with uh, what was it, Jose Batista's when when um or Miguel Batista, yeah, Miss Miguel Iowa. Batista when Steven Strasburg was scratched the last second and he had to pitch and he said he didn't mind that people were upset because it was like you know going to see Miss Universe and then you get Miss Iowa and then yep. Miss Iowa got involved and it was very funny, but yep. um, uh, yes. oh, I I miss you, 2011. You were a yes. good year. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod in in a similar vein. Ray Ray McLeod, of course, related to the Highlander, so. You know, <laughs> There can only be one, even though in the movies there were two eventually by by the quickening and all that stuff. That, yes. But yeah, that's another another topic for another day. Yeah, that's Maybe that's definitely Highlander. like a, that's definitely like the dregs of the summer conversation about the Highlander. 
Yeah, you know, you know for this, it'll be season seven, and I don't think we've ever had a Highlander discussion on this podcast, so I think that's got to well, be on the, the agenda for the summer. Well, we're ripe for one then. Very good. Uh, any any thoughts on any of the picks uh, in here before we move on to um, – I'll do the, the fan tweets and the fan Facebook questions. No, I think we covered most of the major picks, and, and they were the big reminder to everyone – uh, don't don't make snap judgments about the draft. You can talk about your opinions and everything else, but don't make the assumption because we were very. Ex- I'm sure at the time we were very excited about the Bills getting John McCargo and thinking, oh yeah, they got this guy Kyle Williams later. Mm-hmm. One of them would be a franchise defensive tackle, and we would have all been wrong. So you know, we'll see how it plays down the road. Chris Brown. Uh, McCargo came up when I was researching this day in Bill's history, so that just depressed me. So that's, Do you have one, or are we going to skip it? I do. It? It's, a, it's a mild one. It's a, it's a short okay. one. It'll be a okay. 60 to 90 second segment. Well, okay, so let's get Scott's thoughts, and then we'll do the Twitter, Facebook questions, and this day in Bill's history all together before we finish with Russ Brandon. All right. Uh, I, speaking of snap judgments and assumptions, I say I hate all of these picks but I don't really love them. Um, I think defensive line, like we have enough guys. Like we, like, I understand they want like this whole, yeah, we need waves. They have to be coming in waves to the quarterback. I got it. Okay. Did, did, did really like the Eagles have like a waves of guys that they were throwing at the Patriots last year or did the Patriots have, a lot of waves that they were throwing at the Eagles. It's like the, the Eagles finally had Fletcher Cox get through to get one sack at the last possible moment. And it saved the game for them. So uh, after he had already played like 80 snaps or whatever. So I'm not really sure that he, that that's, that's quite, I, I get it. You know, yes, depth is great, but let's, let's, we don't need to, you know, we already have Trent Murphy, uh, you know, Alexander, Hughes, Lawson. On the interior, Ludolele. Williams, obviously he's leaving soon. Washington. Um, the, the talent's there on defensive line. Like, it was there. Like, we can we can get one more, you know, guy to kind of run out there as the fourth D tackle, and we didn't need to spend a third-round pick on a guy. Like, I get that we need to replace Kyle at some point, but we have far more immediate needs if we want to go back to the playoffs this year, which I would like to do, yeah. but, uh, you know. Um Again, I don't think he's going to be a bad player. He sounds like a great player. He sounds like he could be a very much like in Kyle Williams. Mode. Just not sure that that was the good value for us there, the best, best bet. Um, so, you know, the, the defensive backs, um, you know, I got it. You know, yes, defensive backs in general, we want more of those. I would have been okay with maybe one. Um, again, we have two pretty solid starting safeties, and we have, you know, basically a starter and a half at corner. Um, we need a little help at nickel. That's fine. The guy they picked uh, out of Jacksonville State, um, you know, there were mixed opinions on whether or not he was a good value there in terms of mm-hmm. whether there were other corners on the board. I don't really – I'm not going to be an expert on fourth-round cornerbacks, so I will just say that I have some questions about that one as well. Um, uh, McLeod, he's okay, but Deion Kane was on the board, like, around earlier and is much more of a guy that we want in that kind of position. To me, like, McLeod is really not that different from – Jeremy Curley to a certain extent. And we need guy, we needed, we needed, we have the, we have the big, you know, tumbling, you know, the big running target, Kelvin Benjamin, if he's healthy, the, the red zone guy, mm-hmm. as you were. Um, we have kind of Zay Jones as your 
possession slash slot, slot guy. Mm-hmm. And Wow's fast, but he's not particularly tall. And Kane is pretty much almost as fast and way taller. So right. and he's on the freaking team. So uh, that that would seem to have been an obviouser pick if that you know he's he only got taken probably. I forget it was ten or fifteen picks beforehand, and that that could have been a very easy trade up or taking the fifth round instead of Neil um, the cornerback. And then the prole thing, like okay, I get it. Like Mister Irrelevant has a name, so therefore, guy before Mister Irrelevant is literally the most yeah, irrelevant. That's a fair point. <laughs> but if we draw too much um, attention to it, then it's going to be the third last pick that's really Mister Irrelevant. Exactly when we go into the hole, but. Um, but literally picking the son of a guy that McDermott used to coach with. Are you freaking kidding me? I get it. I'm sure he's fine. As good as any other seventh round wide receiver. And no one Except would expect maybe a lot Stevie Johnson. If he's Stevie Johnson, I'm Except cool with maybe. that. Sometimes you can find it. And obviously I'll be eating my words six months from now when he turns into, you know, freaking um, uh, Danny Anadola or Julian Edelman. But I'm just I um, the amount of kind of, of nepotism that comes through in the process here is is growing increasingly concerning for me. Like just the signal that that sends right. about what or, is or let's let's keep team. let's keep bringing in Kalen Clay. We'll just do that over and over again. It seems, seems to be making a habit of that. <laughs> and then they'll cut him and trade for him again. It's going to be great. <laughs> again, we just keep it. It's uh, again. I, I throw a lot of shade on the management team that brought us to the playoffs the first time in 17 years. <laughs> Got it. But I just, um, I have, I have concerns. As long as you're consistent. Okay, here we go with it. We're going to go to our next section here. All right. So we are going to go to our listener questions and then to uh, Paul's This Day in Bills History. Uh, you can get a hold of us, facebook.com backslash bbillsmny. You can find us on Twitter, bbillsmny. And you can send us voicemails through the Anchor app, which happened last week. And now I'm going to tell the guys I'm not going to play it this week. And so if you, and this is why. Uh, the fellow who sent us a voicemail last week, it's a really great voicemail. He's been a fan since the 70s, and he talks about his first experience at the Ralph where somebody threw up on him. Uh, it's I a great it's voicemail. A fan of the podcast since the 70s, and I was waiting. No, no, fan of the Bills since the podcast. My two concerns are, first of all, he didn't say his name, which is, you know what, if you don't actually have to say your name, but I didn't. we didn't talk about whether, like, how, like the procedure for – you want to send us a voicemail versus you want us to send us a voicemail and put it on the podcast, which I have the technical ability to do, but because we didn't sort of forward it with like, uh, you know, if you send us a voicemail, we're, we're liable to play it on the show. I feel like I don't want to play his story unless he was okay with it. And I haven't, I sent him a message back, but I didn't hear from him again. So, um, it sounds great. If I hear from him, we'll play it another week because it's, it wasn't week specific. Um, it was just a thank you for our podcast. Uh, with a, which, by the way, a few hundred people listen to. I'm just going to say. Uh, and, and so in the future, Facebook, Twitter, and if you have the Anchor app, send us a voicemail. And the rule from now on is if you send it to us, we are liable to play it on air. Um, and we're happy to. So make sure to say your name and, and, and the like. Um, We've got a lot of dead air this summer. Help us fill it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you've been with us for what will be, this is, is this our season six finale, by the way? Or do we have one? No, that was, that was last week. This is the season seven debut. Wow. 
wow, I, I should have should have gotten more psyched for this. But yeah, as you know, once we get into the early parts of, a, of the, the podcast season, there's literally OTAs and wacky schedule. So we really yeah. looked we really look to fill that airtime. Yeah. And in fact, with wacky schedule, it could be a good opportunity for people to sort of voice their thoughts on how True. they would pick the wacky schedule. Uh, yes. And, you know, hey, it's less work for us to do if we just play all your nonsense. Uh, but let me get to the comments here on Facebook. Brian, uh, a favorite of ours, says he won't say Josh Allen was his worst fear regarding the draft. He at least costs a lot less than Manuel or Watkins did. But other than drafting a punter or a dead guy, he's pretty close. I understand the desire and need to grab a top echelon talent at QB. I just don't hear much that says that's what Allen is. It seems like the more we don't, we didn't want this, the more it was an inevitability. And I agree with that last part. It felt inevitable at some point that they were going to take him. And it was kind of like trying to punch out of a wet paper bag and you couldn't do it, at least from my end. Um, I think manual, they actually traded down and then back up for us. So I don't know how much manual really cost, but, yeah. Um, I can't, yeah, I he, just, he just cost our pride. No, right. I mean, it was, that's the thing about it, man. When you're a first round, you know, he just shouldn't have been taken in the first round. He should have been a Trent Edwards flyer third round QB. But right. they were so that's desperate for a QB, they were the going to take the best draft. one. There's the worst QB draft in like the last 10 years. Yes. It was. Because I think if you, look at the, if you look at that draft and you ask who the best quarterback is, it's probably EJ. I mean, yeah, Geno Smith, you know. Yeah, that's the two. Yeah. Was that the 2011 draft? No, it was 20, I want to say 13, 2013. 13, yeah. Okay. I'm going to look, yeah, because 2011 was Cam Newton. So that's not right. Um, I'm going to look that up because I, I think you're right. I think that that was, I, it would have been, you know what, like not even looking back, but at the time, I think there was room for them to say there was nobody in this draft that was worth a first round pick. Yep. And, but and they I were desperate like to Bills do it. Yeah. That. Yeah, I think the Bills did that last year a bit with their looking the quarterbacks, and they I think they thought okay of Mahomes and Watson, but not so much they're willing to take the chance. Whereas I think they look the draft this year and be like, any of these four guys will do. You know, yeah, EJ Manuel, Geno Smith, Mike Lennon, Matt Barkley, Ryan Nasib, Tyler Wilson, Landry Jones, Brad Sorensen, Zach Dysert, BJ Daniels, Sean Renfrey, uh, and those were the quarterbacks. So, there so you go. I'm going to stick with my EJ Manuel answer. Yeah, I think the that, top quarterback in that draft. I think you're probably right. Um, you know, and the difference is like held it. The difference is Rosen, or sorry, Rosen. Allen at least has different tools, right? Like Allen is right, and he's a Allen, tight, Allen, talked about prospect this whole time, whereas Manuel was not. You know, people right. were. were mentioning Josh Allen right in you know in the same breath as Rosen in Mayfield and Darnold so you know that says something right there Allen has a lot of the right he he at least is a project but people are, are definitely like the people who even the people who don't like him kind of say he's a project but he might be the kind of project that is worth working on and no one ever said that about Manuel um, right. but certainly I, I get the fear if we switch over to Twitter we have Orlando who says, we need answers, gents. And, and I will give us some questions, Orlando. Um, he says, <laughs> and he does. He does. Yes. Josh Allen, Russ Brandon, Rasmus Dahlin, uh, the, the Sabres prospect, the, maybe the, the saving grace for a lot of 
Bills and Sabres fans is that they're going to take Rasmus Dahlin uh, in the hockey draft. Uh, Sean McDougal, parentheses, McDermott, supposed to beef with Brandon. Washington Redskins cheerleaders required to post topless for a photo shoot in 2013, which I was only just reading about. And last but not least, will third-round pick Harrison Phillips be the next Kyle Williams? I'll say no to the last one. I'll say that if someone wants to shoot the Washington Redskins into the sun, I would not be upset. Um, and we will get to uh, Brandon and McDermott and and later. Uh, and I'm very excited. I finally started watching Rasmus Dahlin highlights today. And oh my goodness, he's he's going to be fun. Yep. No, it'll be the same as we'll have two star players and hopefully some more crap uh, or less crap around them than they have now. So right. that'll be... That'll be great. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't think Harrison's going to be the next, uh, I always forget his last name, Harrison Smith. Is it that? Um, Phillips. Phillips. I knew it was common, a common name. So yeah, you know, I don't think Harrison Phillips is going to be the next Kyle Williams, but that's a very high bar. So if he turns into the next, you know, decent interior lineman with a third round pick, like better than Adolphus Washington, but not as great as Kyle, I'm totally okay with that. You know, yeah, we'll get to Brandon and, and yeah, Rasmus. I'm, I'm definitely, definitely excited for, for what's going to happen there. Uh, yeah, I, on the cheerleaders thing. Oh, the cheerleaders. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, I, I just agree with the send them into the, the sun pick, the Washington football organization. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm fine with jettisoning them into the sun. Um, I think it. I, I do sometimes, I mean, this is kind of obviously the Bills have their own History. <laughs> right. They yeah. don't exactly have a sterling history with cheerleaders, right? And th- this is kind of the, the I mean, I think the, the best thing I would say is that I don't know what the rules are for an industry like, I think the problem is, is that the, the industry where looks are important um, is kind of like none of those industries really end up treating their people very well and they're all kind of based on a short-term kind of contract model that I feel like if you're going to run an NFL team and have cheerleaders, which is increasingly unlikely because it's clearly turning into a big pain, um, which again, like I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying the, the clearly the better model is to have like a short-term transparent like contract and be like, here's what's expected. You're on the team for a year and then everyone has to come in and try out again next year. And that's just how we're going to do it. Because I feel like it's just hard to run a railroad any other way. And again, the tra- that you know, you then you can be transparent up front with what's in the contract. Like you're expected to do XYZ photo shoots. Right. There will be topless. There won't be topless. You will be expected to do appearances where there will be men. You may be asked to be in, you know, yeah, family think- type clothing, whatever. Like, did you, read the, did you read the Did you read the article? Yeah, I so because I don't want people to get the impression that because I think that the, the problem is that they went a little further than that. And it definitely was a little gross that like there were basically it, during the topless photo shoot that was on this like kind of secluded beach where they were like covered, but they were, you know, topless, like their arms were, I guess, draped over their tops and all that. They didn't realize that like basically like season ticket holders for like the elite booths or like the you know the 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 luxury boxes were there and that they were going to be kind of watching them and like no one told them that and then they're on this beach in like jamaica where they were like asked to hand over their passports so that they 
quote unquote wouldn't lose them, but it certainly made them feel like they were stuck there. And then some of the women were coerced into going to nightclubs with the men. Like, and so you're right that there is like this tenor of like, we don't treat people in this type of industry very well, but I think also it was a little grosser than just, you know, like some people were watching them getting their photo taken. Um, Yeah. Well, and just to be clear, like it's not okay in any industry. It's just when you're like an unsafe work environment is an unsafe work environment. And that's, that's not really fair to expect people to deal with that. I think the, the biggest point I would make is just that like, you know, I think, more transparency about these things before. And that's, I think what you're getting at is yes. that it's lack of transparency. Like they didn't know what they were signing on for. Right. Because I'm sure there are people who would be interested again. Like that's one way of reading the story. The other way of reading the story is um, all expense paid vacation to Costa Rica, where you get to party for five or six days in exchange for being. Right. And, and certainly like if you're, if, if, if you're, you're interested in that kind of life. Right. So, so it's, yeah. I think if you're like part of like, you know, Hugh Hefner's grotto and you like you might have signed up for something more like that. Whereas if you signed up to be a cheerleader, I think your expectation is it's not quite that, especially when like the there's like a community standards kind of thing. Somebody was talking about like the whatever we could go down this rabbit hole and I and I kind of don't want I feel like you've you've made a good point and I don't want to belabor it. Never going to be able to work in this town again. Never again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, David uh, Furster on Twitter wants to know, can the Bills use leftover parts from Eric Wood and Richie Incognito to build a decent right tackle? I feel like that's almost a wacky schedule question. Um, (laughs) uh, Sure. Look, I I have less of a problem with cutting up Richie Incognito than I do Eric Wood. Um, You know, either but if i had to choose to cut up if it was saw and i had to cut kill one of them and cut up their body parts i would richie's going <laughs> um so i'll say Can we save eric wood's brain if we put it in richie incognito right paul man that is uh that's that's tough i would i would love eric's brain in richie's body um for football purposes <laughs> thanks for adding that no problem. i really felt the need to clarify on that one Again, transparency. Yes. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, let's. Paul, why don't you jump right into this day in Bill's history, and then we'll we'll take our final uh, uh, pause to create a section where we talk about Russ Brandon before we get out. Of sure, here. I would love to. It'll be a brief this day in Bill's history, but we did the who the Bills drafted thirty years ago today last week, so we're going to go back forty years ago today. Uh, today. So we're going to go back to May 2nd of 1978. The Buffalo Bills have just finished their season 3-13 and 13 the year prior. Now, normally I would make the pick the trivia answer, but I won't be doing that in this case because it would be a difficult one. The Bills selected 1977 Heisman Trophy runner-up Terry Miller with the fifth overall selection in the draft. Now, you've probably never heard of Terry Miller because, you know, he's, he's not a, a household name. He was second to Earl Campbell in the Heisman Trophy runner-up. He did have one of the best rookie running back seasons for a bill ever. He rushed for 1,060 yards, but uh, he failed to tell even half that many yards for the remainder of his, his career. He was graded recently in, uh, by the Buffalo News, which went through and graded, you know, all of their, the, the bill's draft picks uh, is an F. 
and it's tough to disagree with that that grade. He's, his commitment to the game was very much questioned. He was supposed to replace O.J. Simpson and then play 32 games the rest of his career. There were some great picks in that draft, too. Ken McAfee, Ross Browner, Clay Matthews, Doug Williams, etc. So the trivia question, and you can answer, there are two correct answers on this, so I'm sure you're both going to okay. be correct. So you have two chances. So what was interesting when I looked back at this draft is the player after Miller drafted number six overall would become a Hall of Famer and featured some of his greatest years with the Buffalo Bills. Mm. So you can answer with that one, or if you'd rather not, you can name the second pick of the draft, drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs, who went on to star for the Bills and was a key contributor for the 1988 team that would snap the, the AFC East Championship drought and really help to propel the Bills into their Super Bowl era that would begin shortly thereafter. So... Can you name either the players picked at number six or two, which who went on to play for the Bills later in their career? Can you you give me the year of the draft again, please? Sure. 1978, 40 years ago today. 1978. Hall of Famer, 1978. Uh, I'm going to say in the 1988 team, I'll say mm, Joe Cribs, it's a little too new. The 70s are tough, right? Because Ferguson's already there. Um. It's before Paul McGuire, um, or after, rather. After Paul McGuire, yep. OJ's already retired, of course. I'll, say, I'll say Fred Smurless. I'll say Fred Smurless, although he's not – I say he might be the guy on the team that snapped in 88, but he might have been drafted in the 70s. And I will say the other one might be Ahmad Rashad because I know he played for the Bills, and I think he's a Hall of Famer. I'm not sure. I mean, I, and I, in the truth is I know Scott knows the answer. So we'll just, we'll just let Scott answer it for us now. I, it's, it's a little bit, I will say it's a little tougher for me now do the trivia because again, I know all the answers, but it's hard for me to get the background on the screen when I'm looking at myself. Uh, I haven't quite figured yeah. out. I'm only going to give one answer. Um, but I, cause it's the sixth one. Now I know the second one. Uh, I'm just not going to say it. I'm gonna let Frank, okay. Frank, Frank talk about that. Um, so, but uh, Paul, just so everyone's aware, so you said the fifth pick was Terry Miller, correct? Yep, right? Terry Miller. Yeah. The sixth pick was Terry Hatcher. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, Terry Hatcher. Oh, topically enough, and I think this is probably why Paul chose it. A cheerleader for the San Francisco 49ers yes. in her early life. and. Yep. Star- and probably a Hall of Famer. And, and of course, her Bills connection, if you guys don't know, uh, starred opposite Dean Kane, Kane The yep. Adventures of Lois and Clark, the Superman show. And he was a safety very briefly in the NFL for the Buffalo Bills. Yep. And if you remember anything about Terry Hatcher's wide receiver skills, they were real and they were spectacular. They were spectacular. <laughs> Un- <laughs> undoubtedly. Uh, yes, those were... That Scott is, of course, correct. Frank, I want to give credit to Frank on his answers because he didn't get either right, but he was definitely on the right track. So he guessed Fred Smurless as the 1988 contributing player. The, Fred Smurless was drafted in 1979 versus 1978. Oh. And the guy who was drafted in 1978 was on the interior line, played on the interior line with Fred Smurless, and that was Art Still. The year before, oh, they, still. so that was right. You were right on the right path 
Okay. There. And that then, was close. Yep. And then Terry Hatcher, little known fact, same person as James Lofton. So, James Lofton. Yeah. So picked oh. sixth overall by the Green Bay Packers. So Different wide receiver to play with the Buffalo Bills and other yep. teams. Gotcha. Right. And you were close. Rashad. Rashad wasn't quite a Hall of Famer, but I did look it up. He was a four-time Pro Bowler. He's on the okay. – after his career at the Bills, he went on to play for the Vikings and, and was uh, on the Vikings all-time team. So he was a really solid player. Finished around 7,000 yards, though, so not quite the 9 to 10 that they look for to get you in the Hall eventually. Or, Mary, or more Mary Felicia Rashad, though. and he was a very And he was a good broadcaster. So yep. there you go. Okay. Well, I, I feel good about my – my first attempts on season seven here. Yeah, no, you're off to a good start. So, and yeah, that was uh, 40 years ago. To, I don't, next one's going to be tough. This was tough enough. There was only two days where the Bills drafted on May 2nd that I could find yeah. in my, uh, my recordings. And the other one was ugly. I literally, I didn't even recognize a name. That was, that was bad. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot, Paul. Uh, no, my, my pleasure. Okay. Here we are. The final segment of the evening. The, the blockbuster, maybe, uh, the, the Russ Brandon firing. And if you're wondering why I'm talking about segments, if you get the Anchor app and, and, you, and you subscribe to our podcast, you can go in and play specific segments that we record. Um, and so now it's something that I'm trying to utilize this app to the fullest of its abilities to see how it works. Um, and this way, if you're listening and you just want to get to a specific thing or you want to listen to something again, this will help break it up for you a little bit. So hopefully right. that and, and something goes disastrously wrong, by the way, this is the third one. And each one has been progressively better with this. this yes. App. So we're, we're learning. We're getting, we, we are. Um, but someone who's not learning and someone who's not getting progressively better uh, is Russ Brandon, who was, uh, I'm sorry, was not summarily fired, resigned uh, yes. from his post with Pagula sports entertainment as president of uh, operations. Uh, for basically all the teams, the Sabres, the Bills, the Bandits, the Buttes, uh, everybody, um, because of, well, he he says he was ready to move on, and he'd been thinking about it for a while. Uh, nothing else supports that position. <laughs> and there, Literally nothing he said or done has supported that position. Um, the Pagulas have not said anything. In fact, so much as their statement uh, doesn't even thank him for his work. Uh, which speaks volumes. Uh, and the allegations are that there was an internal investigation regarding his personal conduct that he had. Um, I don't know if sexual misconduct is the right word, but it certainly right. was conduct with uh, women in the workplace. Um, so I it just, I don't mean to be dismissive. I'm just not sure that that was the misconduct. Um, obviously that's all still internal. Um, it was reported by the Buffalo news uh, by I think John Warrow at first and then, and then Tim Graham, the earliest, if you were on Twitter with me last night, um, the earliest people I found who knew about it was somebody named Buffalo K at Buffalo K K A A Y. Uh, and a, a young lady named Ashley Schmidt, who's at Schmidt Ashley, um, who hours before any bell, anybody else reporting it were were saying Brandon may have been fired for misconduct question mark and that he was fired clearly they know somebody who knew something and uh it's come out since that you know people at wgr were getting questions as early as noon regarding this uh it's all still very much up in the air um but it's wild uh 
and the second part of the story, which I think is also very important, Kim Pagula is going to be the president of PSE. Um, in a weird way, she's taking a step down since she's also the owner. She's going to step into the president's role, and it's not necessarily on a temporary basis. She seems to be that she's going to assume the roles of the president of the of the sports teams. Um, so, Russ Brandon has gotten uh, uh, well. I don't want to say a bad rap. Russ Brandon has been a whipping boy for this football team for a long time. Uh, some of it deserved, some of it maybe not deserved, depending on who you talk to and who you what you think his role was or was not supposed to be. Um, lots of people credit him with selling tickets to the team uh, when it, it was at, at its at, at its nadir. Uh, other people credit him with. Um, basically helping to secure the sale of the team to the Pagulas to keep the team in Western New York. Many people are quick to point out that he was also the, the architect of the Toronto series moving, uh, you know, moving the um, uh, spring training stuff to uh, Rochester to, they blame him for the drought basically. Um, so, you know, we've talked about him in passing certainly over the years Uh no idea what to do with this misconduct stuff other than to say uh, it's, it's pretty uh, damning stuff. If, if that's the, if that's the deal, um, I will say me find buff beers and uh, bills. They or tweeted bills us back even, yep. or bills and beers. Even uh, they tweeted me last night. They said, I met, they said, I met Brandon at a charity event in Chicago. Sometimes you meet a man and think, huh, I'm going to leave open the possibility that this guy is a total slime ball. And sometimes you meet a man and don't think that. And they left it there. They didn't, they didn't elaborate on which one they thought Russ Brandon was. Um, but I'm assuming it was the former. That's pretty clear. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What look, we started with Paul a lot tonight. So why don't we start with Scott? Scott, give us your thoughts on, on this in any regard, either on Russ Brandon or on the team going forward or, well, just what you make of it. Real quick. So, the, didn't they say that the they were investigating him for some sort of misconduct involving females in the workplace? But then, right. But then they also found some other things that had definitely happened that he had basically lied about. Is that yeah, that he'd been deceitful. Yeah. Now I don't okay, know you're sure if he was deceitful about those relationships or deceitful about other aspects of the football operation. And I think it could be read either way. But I think you're. You might be onto something, Scott. That there was deceit outside of the relationships. These alleged. I was reading. I was definitely reading that he had an affair with one of the local radio personalities. The what's her name? Um. Anyway, I, I'll try and find her name. But yeah, Scott. Why don't you while I'm while I'm doing that, please give your thoughts on this, and then I'll. I'll kind of that is, is is yeah. I mean, I think. Obviously, you know, there's not going to be any great outcry from the fan base of like, we need Russ Brandon. What are you doing? Um, right. When this comes out, given some of the moves that, that Frank kind of laid. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, in terms of his performance, I'm not really like big either way. I mean, I think certainly he's done enough to keep them here and keep them in Buffalo, I should say, and keep them profitable. Um, you know, that to a certain extent requires, I think, some of the things he was doing. He may not have been adept in selling things, but it's probably fair to say that none of those things would have sold pretty well. Um, so it's, you know, in terms of that, I, I don't really feel like I've got too much to say uh, in terms of the, the circumstances, obviously more will come out. I think the, in addition to that, you know, playing into the fact why he's not coming back, you know, we've obviously seen people go on extended leave, 
you know, this is a little more low profile. This isn't, you know, Bill Cosby or Harvey Weinstein or something where it's, you, you know, there, there must be a public accounting, you know, he's ultimately not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of the universe compared to some of the other people who have been accused here and, um, and did the things obviously in many places. Um, so I would imagine, uh, and again, this is wild speculation, but it's a podcast, right? People, um, mm-hmm. is, is that the deceit part to me would be a, I don't want to say a bigger deal, but one that made it so that he couldn't come back. Because if you lie to your bosses about things and they can't trust you, then that's a pretty short ticket. That's a quick bus ticket out of town in a lot of places, regardless of whatever else, whatever else you've done to a certain extent. Yep. Um, so the third thing is, again, I talked about it with the parole thing. I'm sure Kim Pagula is going to do a great job. I hope she does a great job. I'm sure she's a very talented person. I would say this about any person who was hired by an immediate family member. It's very difficult to fire immediate family members. <laughs> There's a bit of a debate in the town that me and Frank and Paul all currently live in about the importance of having family members in positions <laughs> of high office. Not that's a good idea or not, and what responsibility they have to buy politic, as it were. Um, but in a slightly <sighs> this is a uh, an important question because I feel like. You know, if she's not doing a great job or if there needs to be things about changing her job, who who is responsible for doing that? Because, right. again, she's got enough money that she doesn't really need to listen to uh, podcasts like us. Hopefully she does. Um, if you do, Kim, please come down. We'll, we'll We'd love to talk to you. Yep. We'll, yeah. You don't even uh, have to come down. We'll just dial you in if you want. You, you can Exactly. Yeah. Just download the Anchor app and... <laughs> Um, I, again, like it's hard for this to not come off like, well, oh, she's a girl or she can't do it or anything like that. It is definitely not what that is. It is just if it was if she was the owner of the team and she hired her husband to run the team, it would be the exact same point of I'm not sure this is a good management structure. There needs to be some accountability. And right. that's what I'm concerned about with this. So I hope this is I understand, like, by all means, like, let's have it be. They want to give it six months or a year while they find a good candidate because God knows we don't want to rush it. That's fine. But I don't think it's sustainable over the long. I think that she's um, certainly like been participating in the NFL. I'm reading this article that she was part of the Super Bowl committee and uh, you know, she's a very visible owner and she does, you know, things on behalf of the ownership. She's not simply just sort of there named as an owner. Um, And I wonder how much, you know, what does being president of the football team even mean other than being the glad hander at these types of things? So if it, if maybe they feel like, you know, if you trust Brandon Bean and um, Jason Botterill to sort of make football and hockey decisions, then maybe you don't need that layer between the owner and those people. You know, like you're, I, I understand exactly what you're saying, but I'm also wondering if, all they're really cutting out is a layer of contact between these, these two groups. Brandon did that. What about selling season tickets? What about yeah. getting entry booths? What about Rochester and Toronto and other things that are necessary for the viability of the franchise long-term? It may not be a, a football decision thing. I don't think that's what this is about. This is more about just business practices and business processes and the, the, the parts of the business that are, a lot less fun for fans to talk about, but ultimately the things that keep teams like the Bills where they are 
and keep them, you know, keep the, keep them financially stable. That then leads to success on the football field. Okay. Well, let me update you on what I've done on my Twitter research. The, there's two different people being associated here. One of which I don't really know what to make of, but uh, the Janet Snyder apparently is a local. Oh yeah. Kiss 98.5 in Buffalo. Right. That's, well, that's what comes to mind. Right. More than one person has talked about him having an affair with her and whether that was an issue. One person and one person alone has mentioned that she might've been the, the a woman he might've had. And I, I want to be really clear that this is one person. It's a rumor. I don't know that the truth of it at all, right. but there is a work, there's a work level on which it makes more sense than maybe whether he's having an affair with a radio host. Um, but Lauren Hall, who's the Pagula sports entertainment, she's the Twitter handle woman. Um, she's, she's great. I think she does a very good job of, of doing one Buffalo that that's the person this one person has named as that, that is specious sort of just speculation. As far as I'm concerned, they're saying they've confirmed it, but I don't know who these people are and I don't necessarily trust the report. The only worrying thing with regards to that is that Lauren also hasn't tweeted anything since April 28th. Um, which at this point is four or five days ago now. And, that, um, and this is someone who is very much, if you follow Lauren Hall, as as I do, and I'm learning this from Frank, actually. I right. noticed she dropped off on Twitter, but that now is making some... Let's That's her way. job. And yeah. like, right, her job right now would be to be interviewing Josh Allen, interviewing Tremaine Edwards, you know, doing a thing about the draft or just having some sort of like... I think you could probably go through her Twitter timeline and find no less than a, a tweet or two a day. Um, you know, so I do not want to pass any judgment on any of that. I'm just sort of saying, you know, I find it a little uh, weird that she hasn't tweeted in a few days yep. about the bills. Um, but Paul has not offered his thoughts on any of this. Yeah, so I'll, be, like I'll be pretty return. brief because you guys covered a lot of the, the big stuff. It will be interested first on the reasons for his dismissal. Frank got this dead on with a lack of a thank you in the, the press release announcing his resignation. There is very much something going on. So, you know, we don't know exactly what these allegations are we're talking about right now, but there's something there. And the way you can tell is for someone who gave 20 plus years of his life to the organization, played a major role in that organization, was supposed to be involved in the draft last week, there would be a glowing thank you for his service in there if he were leaving on anything but good terms, uh, or if he were leaving on anything but bad terms. But he's definitely leaving on bad terms because you don't want to put in all these glowing comments and then have it come out, oh, this is the allegations against him. And you knew about all these allegations and you said all these wonderful things about him. What the hell? That's the reason why you don't put those in there. So something is up. And I don't know. I don't think it'll be that Weinstein type sexual misconduct. I think it is going to be the, you know, banging people. He shouldn't be banging uh, on a professional level. Obviously he's married. He should only be banging the one person. That's just a best practice. Uh, but that's, that's, that's a personal <laughs> issue. You know, on a professional scale, you can't bang the people you, you work with or you, that you manage or having any sort of uh, oversight over, not without going through formal channels to make sure, you know, it's, it's approved by, by all the higher ups, but that's a discussion for another day. So, you know, on the football operations front, I do have this, a similar concern to, to Scott. I think Kim is very capable. You can look at her business background. You can look at some of her involvement. She's, she's savvy. She knows her stuff, but what happens if 
she gets to a point where she is feeling she's doing a good job at that particular role with the season tickets, the regionalization of the franchise to help keep it viable, et cetera. But it's, she's really not the metrics are showing doing as good of a job. It will be tough for her to vacate that role. And she would have to, you know, maybe she's the type of person who can have an honest conversation with herself and be like, I'm not doing the job I once was. So I need to step aside. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. On Brandon himself and the role he did, yeah, I think the, you know, and you both covered this ad nauseum, so I won't go into detail more on it, but you look at, there are some positives and negatives associated with, with his tenure and what he, his heart, his, his renowned work ethic during the early years, him helping to sell the luxury boxes necessary to keep the franchise in Buffalo in the late nineties when it wasn't looking very good. And then to help with the negotiation of a lease that's keeping them here long-term that started in 2012. You know, those, those are good things, but there are a lot of negatives in there as, as well. And history will show, I suppose, in the long run, how much uh, he was responsible for the positives and negatives. So all interesting. The Russ Brandon discussion, I have a feeling when we talk, I have our next pod, even if it's a month from now, there's still going to mm-hmm. be some fresh topic related to all of this that he's going to come up again. I think so. I think that there's going to be more that comes from this. I wouldn't be surprised if – I mean, look, anytime you're – if something – if, if it's Lauren Hall or somebody else that is in the, in the building there, you know, if he's the president of, of PSE, uh, there's simply no way in which he can have a not influenced relationship with somebody, right? There's no way in which somebody cannot feel some sort of pressure. Right. To, you can't to, say like, Oh, that's not my direct report. It doesn't matter when you're that high up in the organization, right. you're putting he, pressure on that person's boss. Right. He's in a position where literally, as is Scott's word, transparency is the most key, because if anything is to go on, it needs to be all above board, because the presumption has to be that he's simply too powerful of a person in that organization to resist. I mean, talk about sort of like, you know, having checks and balances like that's it. So if, if it's something along those lines, I'm sure we'll find out more. Uh, the only reason we wouldn't is if somebody doesn't want to come forward. And that's the other reason I felt a little guilty about indulging in the rumoring right there. But, you know, I'm curious like everyone else. But to the people who... But it's, it, it, you like, didn't put it out there. It was already out there. No, and, and exactly, and the yeah. People, Janet and Lauren will have to make some sort of response to it eventually. That has nothing to do with our podcast. So or, no or if, Right. Or if they don't, like that's their... Right. And, you know, they're they're victims, not criminals, if anything. And they shouldn't be forced to, you know, they don't have to answer to anybody else. So right. um, though, 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 if you're Russ Brandon, don't try telling your you know, don't don't try telling <laughs> Russ Brandon's wife that you're the victim in this. If uh, if you're Lauren Hall or Janet. Yeah, Smith. Russ Brandon is well and truly fucked for a little while yeah. here. I mean, he's 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 I, I fully Crazy. believe he's in trouble. So, uh, yeah. well, Russ, I don't know what to tell you. Um, that is pretty much going to do it for our podcast. I think that you, you said a month, I think a month is probably appropriate. Yeah. We will reconvene again. There are no big calendar dates until OTAs and we can get a wacky schedule together or start to get one together. And, uh, we'll get our first glimpses of Josh Allen. Obviously if they do anything super interesting, like trade for somebody or, uh, I don't know, uh, move to a different city which they won't, uh, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get a hold of you. Um, or if we just drop something in the background, that's cool. Yeah, that was, that was shattered. By the way, there was a siren on my end, even though I'm in a hotel room in Chicago. 
Beautiful. I can't escape the sirens no matter where I go. We should talk about Avengers Infinity War next time because that's right behind who did Russ Barrington sleep with that I have more. <laughs> the next thing I have most the most questions about is I saw Avengers Infinity War and it's great. Go see it. Uh, but I just it, it can't be Avengers four fast enough as far as I'm concerned. Um, so you can you can hit us up on all our social media stuff and, and let me know your thoughts on that as well. Um, any any parting thoughts from anyone or, or are we all set here? Scott, I, we, we talked a while. You're way over, I think. No, we're doing good. I think we're good. We're not too bad. Okay. Yeah. Well, whatever else is going on, I think we should end it here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. My name is Frank. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Buffalo Bills Maybe Next Year podcast. We're so happy you could join us. Find us online. You can go to facebook.com backslash bbillsmny or we're on Twitter at bbillsmny. Email us, bbillsmny at gmail.com. And to find this podcast, search Buffalo Bills Maybe Next Year in just about anything that has podcasts. You can also go right to our Anchor page where we are hosting our podcast, anchor.fm backslash bbillsmny. If you get the Anchor app, you can interact with the show and follow us directly there, including sending things like voicemails and doing other fun things. So we'll hopefully see you around. Until then, have a great day.